0: Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on Don't Worry, Have Faith. Let's jump in today. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Let me just say one more thing on that while you guys are pushing the buttons on your phone. We say turn in your Bible, but um, I I went to... conference one time and this was a very seasoned minister and he got up and he said you know um, as soon as you say amen on Sunday morning the next Sunday is coming and he talked about it with such dread about the preparation of the following Sunday and it absolutely broke my heart that that's the way Some folks face ministry and their assignment. And I just want to tell people, you need to find something else. Because if that's the way you can think about coming into fellowship with wonderful people that God has entrusted to your leadership, then that's going to communicate to them. And so... We just don't want to be in that place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. We're going to start there. Everybody, this is not... Let me just go ahead and say this so you all don't tune me out. This is not a sermon about money. All right, everybody take a deep breath. Because it's going to feel like it is when we're starting here, okay? But it's not. So, if the Holy Spirit talks to you about money, that's His business. Okay, but that's not my primary intention today. Don't keep, verse 19, don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts and decays and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For our heart will always pursue, your heart, I'm sorry, will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Okay? One of the most wonderful analogies I've ever seen, and it was on money and giving, but Pastor Tom came in one Sunday and he had a heart balloon, which I could have easily got one of those this time of year, But he had a heart balloon, and he had it tied to his wallet. And, of course, everywhere his wallet went, the heart went. Great analogy. That where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Okay? It's attached to your treasure. Verse 22. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, the light floods in. Don't you guys love the song we sing? Open up the window, let the light in, right? And so the light floods in, but if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot, say cannot, cannot penetrate and darkness takes its place. So when we say open up the window, let the light in, then we're agreeing with God and asking him to fix our lens. Okay? And it's amazing what tools God will use to fix your lens sometimes. Lord, take my focus off money. Okay? Give all of it. Whoa, what? (laughs) No. Okay? The light of truth cannot enter. How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. This is why I tell you to never be worried about your life, for all that you need will be provided such as food, water, and clothing. Everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't, there, isn't your body more than clothing? Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides for them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they So which one of you, by worrying, could add anything to your life? And why would you worry about your clothing? Look at all the beautiful flowers of the field. They don't work or toil. And yet, not even Solomon in all his splendor was robed in beauty more than one of these. So if God has clothed the meadow with hay, which is here for such a short time, and then dried up and burned, won't he provide for you the clothes you need even though you live with such little faith? So then forsake your worries. Turn your back on your worries. Let those worries feel abandoned, okay? Forsake them. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. Another translation says the heathen. The fatherless, the orphans, they chase after these things. Doesn't your he- heavenly Father already know the things your bodies require? So above all, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from it, then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Say abundantly. Abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way one day at a time. Tomorrow will take care of itself, okay? I just, what leapt out to me is looking through Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 34, is it says, don't hoard up for yourself earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves, Okay, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven that can't be stolen and thieves can't take it. Remember, every time I say this verse, I say it wrong. Let's say it right today, okay? Where moths and rust won't destroy it. Yes. And so laying up treasure in heaven keeps it from thieves. Storing up treasures on earth makes it accessible to thief. Okay? But you look at the end, it says, But if you seek the kingdom, then he'll give you all of these less important things. Okay? Not only will he give them to you, but they will be given to you abundantly. Does this bring anything to anybody's mind? John 10 10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, okay? But I have come that you have life and have it abundantly, okay? So the plan is abundant life. The adversary's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy, but there's a surefire way to keep it from being successful, his assignment, He can't steal it if your treasure is not on the earth. Which means we have to partner with God to live the abundant life. We can't live the abundant life and the life that is subject to the thief at the same time. Okay? So even though that's his intention for us, he also intends that none should perish. But we know that some folks perish. He would that we not be stole from, but when we align ourselves with a system that is prone to theft, then we subject ourselves to the thief. But if we align ourselves with, with the one and the plan and the system and the process that secures our wealth yeah. from thieves, then we get to live abundantly. So we have a role to play in this process, aligning ourselves with God. You know, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Now, in this passage, we see that if your lens is bad, then your whole body is full of darkness, right? So that's the plan of the adversary is to blind our minds, to make us see things incorrectly, It says if your eye is bad, then your whole body, it says if, if you think that the darkness is light, then how much greater is that darkness? So the issue here is when we're attempting to serve two masters and we somehow think they blend together, that's the worst place we could ever be. Are you with me? When you think that you could go through the world system and add a little bit of God to it and it'll give you life abundantly, that's the worst place that you could be. Because then you'll be thinking you're on the path of abundance and then you'll be like the Israelites when the Midianites came in. You, get, you see your harvest, you think you're going to live in abundance and then all of a sudden they come in and they steal it all. And you're like, What happened? It looked one way but it ended up going another way and that's because you still are in agreement with the systems of the world and it subjects you to theft. 2 Corinthians eleven three says, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the cunning serpent that your minds have been led astray from the sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And so, we let this system, I really believe that uh, Matthew 6 is not just talking about money. In other translations, it says mammon. You can't serve God and mammon, which mammon does mean wealth, riches, properties. But I just want you to see a little bit further what money is not independent of a system. Our money ties us to a system, okay? And so there's a system. Our money is printed by our government, right? The value of our money fluctuates by the decisions our government makes. And so your dollar may not be worth a dollar at some point, your million dollars may not be worth a million dollars, right? And so the way that we make money is also through a system. So there's a lot of things that are attached to money. If we serve money, we will be doing a lot of things in a lot of systems to try to get that money. Okay? So it will actually, it will actually be in every area of of our life, really, in our decision-making if we serve money. And so I just want you to see that as bigger than just, man, I like to have money, I want money. It is about an agreement with a process, okay, to attain that money, okay? It is it is agreement with this earn and receive. So it's a totally contrary mindset than the mindset of the kingdom, okay? If we get on this, if we love money, then we'll have to explore and be driven by what does it take to get it? And that means you'll have to subject yourself to a system and it'll be di- that system is dictated by the world. And so you'll get on a treadmill of what does it take to earn money, Okay? And so it's way bigger than just the actual money. It's about this whole process, this whole mindset that is contrary to Scripture. Look at Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to try to make this make more sense to you if I can. Let's, for the sake of time and energy, let me paraphrase Matthew chapter 20, and I've done this several times for you, but in Matthew chapter 20... It begins, God's kingdom in verse 1 is like an estate manager who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. They agreed on a wage of a dollar a day and went to work. Okay, Matt, if I paraphrase it, it's going to take just as long. Let's go. Later, about 9 o'clock, the manager saw some other men hanging around the town square unemployed. He told them to go to work in his vineyard, and he would pay them a fair wage and they went, okay? Are you with me? So one time, the first time he went, it was early in the morning. The next time he went, it was nine o'clock. Some of you are like, is it nine o'clock early in the morning? No, it's not, (laughs) okay? There is some time before nine o'clock in the morning. Teenagers, nine o'clock is not early, all right? There is time before that. So 9 o'clock, he goes. He paid them a fair wage. He did the same thing at noon, and again at 3, and again at 5, okay? And went back and found still others standing around. He said, why are you standing around all day doing nothing? They said, because no one hired us, and he told them to go work in his vineyard. So the last time he went, at 5 o'clock, he got more people, okay, to go and to work. When the day's work was over, the owner of the vineyard instructed his foreman, call the workers in and pay them their wages, start with the last hired and go on to the first. Those hired at five o'clock came up and were were each given a dollar. When those who were hired first saw that, they assumed they would get far more. But they got the same, each of them one dollar, taking the dollar they groused angrily to the manager. These last workers put in only one easy hour and you just made them equal to us who slaved all day under a scorching sun. He replied to the one speaking for the rest, friend, haven't, I haven't been unfair. We agreed on the wage of a dollar, didn't we? So take it and go. I decided to give to the one who came last the same as you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Are you going to get stingy because I'm generous? Here it is, the great reversal. Many of the first ended up being the last and the last first. Let's stop right there and we'll jump in with a little bit more starting in verse 17 in a moment. So you see, this is the system. And let me just say, the system that is contrary to the kingdom is a system of fairness, fairness so if you love money you will be consumed with fairness right because you will you will you will be constantly thinking what is fair what is fair what is fair for me because i weigh everything by what i get because i have let that come in and i have let it invade my thought processes and so you have to pay attention to it you have to be a good steward right A few years ago, I think it was in uh, 2017, we did a several-week series on the topic of favor ain't fair. Favor ain't fair, right? And we might pull, we might do that again. I was talking with an elder last week, and they said, man, I've just been really consumed with this idea of favor. I'd like to hear more about that. So I'm hooking them up today. So, anyways, so this whole system is a fair system. So the fair system opens you up to theft and destruction and death. If you're in a fair system, how many people are thankful favor is not fair? What is fair? Fair for all of us what do we earn? By one man's transgression, all of us were engrafted into the wonderful joy of being subject to death. But by God's mercy, just as one man engrafted us into death, another man came and engrafted us into life. But what's fair would have been for God to hold his one and only son in heaven with him and never send him for our dirty, nasty, rank selves. That's what's fair. So if we live a life focused on fair, then eventually we will get what's fair. And we'll say, God, why did we get what's fair? Well, you've been living a life of fair. You've been holding me to a standard of fair, so that's what I gave you. I believe the adversary of our soul can go to the Father and say, hey, so-and-so wants what's fair. They're in agreement with me. What did it say? The light cannot penetrate. So I believe that we literally give legal access to the thief to have full reign of our lives when we take a position that's built on a system of fair. I want to live in the realm of favor. Favor ain't fair. You guys know, like in Matthew chapter 20, I hope you understand this, Like, these people came early in the morning, nine o'clock, what was it, noon, three o'clock, and five o'clock. And they all worked in the same field, but they all got paid the same rate. How many people know that we weren't even allowed in the same field? The descendants of Abraham would look like the workers in the field. Some of them came along, later on in life some of them came along later along in generations and you can see that there would be jockeying for position in the religious system between the sons of Abraham but we aren't even allowed to be in the field we weren't even supposed to get to work You guys remember the encounter between Jesus and the Gentile woman, the Samaritan woman, and she asked him to heal her daughter, and he said, I didn't come for you. I came for the sons of Israel. He literally called her a dog. That's Jesus, sweet Jesus. Jesus. And her faith said, yes, but don't even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And he was moved by her faith, and he healed her daughter. But that was not who he came for. He did not come for us. He came for the children of Israel. But we got grafted in. We got grafted in. So not only are we not even supposed to be in the field, he lets us come in the field and then he pays us what he paid everybody else. I would even go so far to say is he paid us more. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. So I even think we got paid more. More. Many in the faith in Hebrews 11 said they died without even seeing the promise. We're walking in a time of promise. So we're actually getting paid more than the sons of Abraham coming in in the end. And yet we have the audacity to frame our life around the fairness model. And that breeds anxiety and worry and fear. Guys, anxiety, worry, and fear is rampant in the people of God. It should not be. A few weeks ago, I told you I know people whose turtles got anxiety. You know what I'm saying? Like I got anxiety, my dog's got anxiety, my husband's got anxiety, my kids got anxiety, my goldfish has anxiety. There's so much anxiety, no one can escape it in the house. Everybody's got anxiety. Somewhere along the lines, somebody ain't going to like this. Somewhere along the lines, you've came into agreement with the fair model. It's hard to get anxiety when you don't think you deserve anything, but you know the Father's gonna give you everything. It's hard to get tore up about that. I deserve nothing tomorrow, but I know he's gonna give me everything tomorrow. That is always pretty exciting. It's like going into your birthday. Whose has anxiety about what you're gonna get for your birthday? I'm joking with y'all. I don't have any anxiety. I know you guys are gonna bless me on my birthday. It's, I have no fear. Seriously, when you're a little bitty kid, you might have some thoughts about your birthday. But who really here gets all wrapped up about what generous gifts are going to be lavished on you on your birthday? Nobody does. Every day is like your birthday in the kingdom. You deserve nothing, yet he's going to give you everything. You're going to discover what you unwrap tomorrow is going to be more than you ever asked, thought, or even imagined. Why are you worrying? Because we've let the adversary blind our minds and lead us astray from pure and simple devotion to Christ. The earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God. All the world wants to see is kept children. Because the world is all in this system of fairness. There is a God of this age, a prince and power of the airwaves that is propagating a system of fairness. And we constantly think that we have to get on board that system so that we can have any type of health, prosperity, or life in this age. We've been very careful. I didn't plan to go here, but I'm going to go here real quick. We've been very careful around here to make sure and love everyone in the midst of a pandemic. We've tried to make sure we empower everyone in whatever choice they have to make or feel they need to make to remain safe, okay? And I want to continue to do that. And I believe because we fostered that atmosphere, when many of us got sick at the first of the year, there was not a lot of blame, shame, any of that going on. Because I think no one felt guilt or shame or it's my fault or this or that. We all knew what we were doing, right? Those of us that chose to come in here, we knew what we were doing, And we loved those that didn't choose to come in here, so there was no animosity between us. And I don't want there to be animosity. And I want people to continue to make decisions they need to make for their family and for their life. But I don't want those decisions to be informed by a system that is out to steal, kill, and destroy you. I don't care how noble it sounds. I don't care how much it seems like it's for your best interest and your good. You need to understand there is an adversary of your soul who wants to steal you and kill you and destroy you. And you can avoid corona and die. You can avoid corona and die. Don't fear those that can take your life. Fear the one who can send you to hell. And this isn't a hellfire and brimstone sermon today. I'm not saying you're going to backslide, but I'm saying the enemy of your soul would love to separate you from the Father. And he would love to separate you from the body. And so I believe the sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. And at some point, I'm not going to begin to try to dictate what that is like. I cannot stand the dogmatic mindsets that say, if you wear a mask, you have inferior faith. I don't believe that. But I do want to say that sons and daughters are led by the Spirit of God. And if the Spirit of God leads you to take a certain precaution, then take it. Yes. But don't just blindly follow yes, the prints and powers of the airwaves. Because right. there is an assignment. Yes, there is an assignment. And you know what? Corona is not fair. See, that's the whole bait and switch. This world system that is built on fairness and it gets rooted in our heart and we think that if we do enough and if we follow their rules and we play their game that we'll get what they promise but the world system is a bait and switch you guys know this you know this and Corona is not fair that's why we must be led by the spirit of God because we can do everything they tell us to do and still get this virus. And I want to say this. We cannot do one thing they say. I'm not telling you that's the right way, but I genuinely believe that you can do all the wrong things in faith led by the Spirit of God, not in rebellion, but led by the Spirit of God, and be safe. And you can do everything the world tells you to do and be open to death. The fair system ain't fair. At least God just tells you up front, I ain't fair. I operate in the world in the realm of favor. Verse 17, Jesus now on well on the way up to Jerusalem took the 12 off to the side. He's just told them the parable of working in the, in the field, right? took the 12 off to the side of the road and said, listen to me carefully. We're on our way up to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Son of Man will be betrayed to the religious leaders and scholars and they will sentence him to death. They will then hand him over to the Romans for mockery and torture and crucifixion. On the third day, he will be raised up alive. It was about that time that the mother of the Zebedee brothers came with her two sons and knelt before Jesus with a request. That's something Beverly Cox would do. That's why I'm so spoiled. (laughs) What do you want, Jesus asked. You know he already knew. That's why he was kind of short. (laughs) I try not to do that, but sometimes I do to people that I know they're going to tell me something I don't want to hear. What is it? What would you like to talk about today? (laughs) What do you want? Jesus asked. She said, Give your word, the audacity. Give your word that these two sons of mine will be rewarded the highest places of honor in your kingdom one at your right hand and one at your left hand. Jesus responded, You have no idea what you're asking. And he said to James and John, are you capable of drinking the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, sure, why not? (laughs) Well, you think it was like something that tasted bad. They had to hold their nose. Jesus said, come to think of it, you are going to drink my cup. (laughs) But as to awarding places of honor, that's not my business. The Father is taking care of that. He didn't even choose where he was going to sit. Yeah. Remember? He didn't even choose to stay. He thought equality with God was not something to cling to. The father said, go. So he went in obedience even unto death. Yeah. And he raised him from the dead and he seated him in the highest place yeah. where every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. And he said, it's not my place to give the seat because this ain't a kingdom of fair. It's a kingdom of favor. My father's taking care of that. When the 10 others heard about this, they lost their tempers tempers thoroughly, disgusted with the two brothers. So Jesus got them together to settle things down. He said, you've observed how godless rulers throw their weight around, how quickly a little power goes to their head. You know why? They're in a fair model. Yeah. So once they've earned their place of power, they believe they deserve to lord it over people. It's not going to be that way with you, with us. It's not going to be that way with us because we're disciples of Jesus. Amen? It's not going to be that way with us. Whoever wants to be great must become a servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That's what the Son of Man has done. He came to serve, not to be served. And then to give away his life in exchange for the many who are held In a nutshell, Jesus in Luke chapter 4 said, The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Then Jesus read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce, release, pardon, forgiveness to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, downtrodden, bruised, crushed by tragedy, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The day, I love this in the Amplified, the day when salvation and the favor of God abound greatly. John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We are partakers of and we're still in the age of the favor of the Lord. We weren't a people, but now we are a people. It makes no sense for us to be gripped with fear and worry and anxiety. It's an assignment of the enemy. I'm compassionate. I'm not condemning. I know no one wants to be racked with anxiety but we have to we have to ask god to help us remove the scales from our eyes cuz we have been complicit in the applying of these corrupt lenses We cannot be a people that live in fear. We cannot be a people who live in fear. That's what the heathen do. That's like the ones without a father do. But we have a father that has extended favor to us, unmerited favor I'm going to jump off somewhere I'm just seeing where I want to land Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6 I'm going to read actually verse 1 starting verse 1 I think it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old, stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper And do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. He picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. He has us right where he wants us, with all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and mercy on us. Saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. This isn't a fair system, and you don't play the major role in making sure you get what you deserve. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. Philippians 4, 6, and I'll end with this. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Another translation says, be anxious for nothing. Don't be pulled in different directions or worried about a thing. Be saturated in prayer throughout each day, offering your faith-filled requests before God with overflowing gratitude. We make our requests before God with overflowing gratitude. See, in a fair system, we make our request before God because God owes us because of all the boxes we checked in our religious duties. We literally get to a place where we approach God and we say, God, I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Move. Yep. He's like, Oh, I'm, I didn't even understand. I didn't realize we were comparing lists. Sorry. You want to see mine? You want to see what I did just so that we could have this conversation? Right. You wouldn't even be able to approach me. You wouldn't even be able to speak to me if I hadn't have loved you when you were unlovable. But we make our... See, that's when we know whether we're tapped in to the realm of favor or, or fair, depending on how we approach him. It's fine to make requests but you make them with overflowing gratitude. Tell him every detail of your life. I planned on using this and not just playing with it. It never adds up. It never adds up. It never adds up. up. In the kingdom, it never adds up. In the world, it adds up, and then it's wrong. Isn't that crazy? The world system, everything is perfect. Your numbers all come out right, and then you realize it's just a mirage. But we put more faith in a system that comes out on paper right then we do in a system that we can't figure out and it seems like it always comes out upside down because we're so set on being the one on top, we don't want to submit to a system that we have to come in on the bottom and trust that he's gonna move us to the top. We'd rather take a bird in the hand than two in the bush. We'd rather have a kingdom. We'd rather submit ourselves to a kingdom that makes sense in what we can see instead of having faith for a kingdom that's unseen and we don't know what for sure is going to happen. I've had somebody tell me before over the years, I think it was in a period when we were planting the church and I think for a two-year period, help me with numbers and if I'm right, for a two-year period, We had six kids and I made $10,000 a year. Six kids, $10,000 a year, mowing grass and driving a bus, tried to find work where I could still have some time to sow into the church. The church that was small and growing and could not afford anything other than to help with the rent. Sometimes the rent for the little storefront came out of that $10,000 from mowing and driving a bus. And I remember in that time, someone said, I could not possibly live. And and let me just say, we weren't at all struggling because we're kept sons and daughters. That's just what we made on paper. God had ways of providing. You know, you don't have to claim gifts on your taxes people with means know exactly what number they have to write on a check that they don't you don't have to claim on your taxes people would write those checks with those numbers on them but it didn't add up on paper it did not make sense now never forget somebody said i could not possibly live the way that you live and it was it was a it was kind of a feel sorry for you answer, uh, your statement. And and what they meant was, I, I just need a little more security. I'd have to have, you know, I just could not do that. And this isn't brag on Michael and Jahande, but I thought genuinely in my mind, I don't have enough faith to live like you live. I don't have enough faith live in fair I don't have enough faith in this system to live in fair because the same government that might send you a check to stimulate you (laughs) at some point is going to dip into your checking account to deflate you I need to I need to know I'm in a kingdom that never changes. Same yesterday, today, and forever. That's what I need to know. Again, today is not about money and it's not supposed to be anything harsh or even convicting necessarily. What I want you to do is on this Valentine's Day, I just hope you can discover how much God loves you. It's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. We will never forsake our fair model unless we are flooded and overwhelmed by the goodness of God, and we will change our allegiance. He is good, no matter what you see. I remember one time I preached a sermon, Go Blind for Jesus. Paul, I was going to read you a scripture today. Paul, it's a wonderful passage. I'll just tell it to you. You can read it later. Oh. Paul in, come on, today you're going to make me put in my password instead of going with my fingerprint. All right. I got you. It's for my security. First Timothy 1, 12 through 17, Paul just talks about the favor, the unmerited favor that God has placed on his life. And he was the foremost of all sinners, But now he's being used by God. But you guys know when Saul became Paul, he was blinded. Blinded by the light. Yeah. So he was blinded. And that's the day his eyes were opened. Right? In the three days that Paul was blinded, he saw things that he had never seen before. Sometimes we need God to blind us because our lens is so jacked up and we see things so different that we want him to come in and do a cataract service, spiritual LASIKs. And he's like, I can't even work with that, what you got right now. We got to do a total eye replacement. And you're going to be blind for a few days. You're going to go from persecuting the church to planting the church so we need we need an absolute go blind for Jesus moment. But I'm so burdened for the church that is anxious. Yeah. So burdened for the church that is worried and afraid. Yes. And running around like orphans trying to steal. Fruit off the table stand. Was that, Oliver, the orphan movie I'm thinking of? Like we, the only way we can survive is if we are witty enough, conniving enough, street smart enough to make it happen on our own. And then we live in a house that is immaculate and massive. Because it's our Father's house, yet we go out and play an orphan every day. It makes no sense. Somehow we've disconnected our Father from our everyday life. That passage says, Tell him every detail of your life and make requests known with overwhelming gratitude. He loves you so much. You do not have to fear or worry. You are kept. I told you guys a few weeks ago, I believe my assignment, I was just spending some time with the Lord. It's been a few weeks ago. And I don't even remember where I was or what I was doing. I think I was driving at that point. And I just reflected over my life and the things that I have strived to do and tried to be, tried to accomplish. Aspirations that I thought were going to happen a certain way, what significance I was going to walk in in my life, what influence I was going to carry, how successful I was going to be, and Lord just spoke to me and said, you want to know what I want you to do? This is, for the rest of your days, I want this to be your assignment. This is how I'm going to determine your success. I want you to be the best in the world. At You know, I'm thinking, oh, what am I going to do now that's the best in the world? This is going to be cool. I'm going to be the best in the world at something. He said, just be the best in the whole world at receiving my love. So, Nolan, where's Nolan at? This is hilarious. He texts me on Friday during the 12 hours of worship, and I guess the Lord was kind of speaking to him and encouraging him and prompting him. And he sent me a text and he said, I'm going to try to beat you at receiving the love of God. And I said, Good luck. <laughs> What is hilarious, you guys know how long I've been attempting to buy a truck. And so I went on Friday, we, it was already planned, and bought a truck, not a new truck, but a new-to-me truck. And it's getting close to the day where mine is going to my son, so I needed something. So, don't clap for that, son. <laughs> so what's hilarious is, is I'm... Johan and I went. We ran out there. We had to get it on Friday. And um, we ran out there and we got the truck and I brought it back. And I came back into the 12 hours of worship. And I went up to Nolan and said, I just bought myself a new truck today. <laughs> beat that. <laughs> so I don't know what he's going to do to up the ante and receive from the Lord. Maybe somebody here is going to buy you one. That would beat me. I bought my own, right? <laughs> yeah so he loves a nord keyboard i said he might come in here with a nord keyboard next week some somebody might buy you all be loving that huh he'll share his blessing he'll share his favor you can just come under his favor umbrella and get to enjoy it with him let's go home today will you stand with me just didn't get to use this enough. Can we lift our hands up? Will you lift your hands up? It's Valentine's Day. God, Dad, whatever you want to call him. Papa, father, daddy. I am thankful today that I am not an orphan. I am thankful, you say whatever you are, that I am a son. I'm thankful that I am a son of a loving father that loves to give good gifts to his children. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Yet you give it anyway. Lord, let me not just make it with my words today, not just think of great religious cliches when people are in a place of crisis, but let me live my life in a way that communicates the truth Day in and day out. Let me be one that puts my hope and my trust in you alone. I understand that I cannot serve two masters. And that life will make me double-minded, unstable in all my ways. What could I expect to receive from you in that mindset? But I want to be a son and I want to be one that... Knows, just like on my birthday, that I deserve nothing, but I get everything, every day. It's your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. Now, let us shift all of our focus off of the systems of man all of the structure of money, all of the fair model where we earn and we receive. God, we repent for letting it infest the church, letting a religious system actually bring the fair model into the church, which has corrupted sons and daughters It's been like a doctrine of demons with seared consciences that come in and make us think about the different rules that make us superior to others. But God, we want to be a people that live in the realm of favor and mercy. I just curse anxiety fear and worry in the name of Jesus. You are covered. You are covered. You are covered. You're covered more than any recommendation that the CDC could ever give. You're more covered than that. You're more covered than the best financial planner's information that he could ever give. You're more covered. You're more covered than any system of man could ever provide for you. Be led, people of God, sons and daughters of God, by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. So be it. So be it. So be it. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.